0: Welcome to another episode of the Saxo Market Call podcast. As always, my name is Soren, otto and today I am joined by none other than Charu Chanana, our head of FX strategy and also macro expert from Singapore. Hi Charu. Hi Soren,
1: great to be back with
0: you. Happy to have you here. Today, Charu, we're going to have a little bit of a look about what has happened the past week and what's going to happen in the coming week. We're going to talk US economy, we're going to look a little bit about the dollar and some other FX. Uh, Then we're going to talk a little bit about China, who's maybe had uh, one of the slightly positive stories uh, related to what has happened uh, at least the rest of this year. And then we're also going to discuss Japan a little bit. But but I really want to jump into this first point that you've made for, for today's podcast about the U.S. economy, because... When we discussed what's going to happen in 2024, one of the things that we discussed was this idea, are we going to get a recession or are we not going to get a recession? And yeah. I think pretty early it, it became clear that 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 recession, obviously it can still happen, but it isn't really in the cards too much. Then we talked about a soft landing and then uh, more or less what we call a no landing. But but could you take us uh, through a little bit what happened also with the, in, in relation to the CPI and PPI surprises?
1: Right. I mean, you know, actually, it was a a test, you know, of the big disinflation narrative that's been really driving the markets over the last few weeks. Um, So I I would say, obviously, those hot inflation prints that we got, the CPI also followed up with the PPI number on Friday, uh, particularly if you see the number on services x housing inflation. I think that's really uh, something concerning happening there. So all of those numbers, uh, like you were saying, right? It's kind of shaken the Goldilocks uh, narrative that we've been in some for some time now. Uh, you know, so far we've been debating how much further um, expectations for rate cuts could be pushed, but uh, these hot inflation numbers—they've really put probably even rate hikes back on the table. You know, maybe not so much for the Fed particularly, but there could be some of the other economies other central banks that could potentially continue to face this uh, threat of inflation you know one of the one of the uh, bigger uh, australian uh, um, the asian banks i would say the rbnz the reserve bank of new zealand um, is actually you know some of the banks are actually calling for additional uh, two rate hikes from the rbnz which is i would still say it might be a stretch but you know the whole reason i'm mentioning it is because I just want to highlight that the whole discussion, it has moved from uh, the start of rate cuts to, again, higher for longer. And is there a risk of getting additional rate hikes as well? Surely, like I said, you know, this probably wouldn't be the case in the U.S. if you look at the survey data or even last week, you know, we got the retail sales uh, starting to show uh, some concerns. So that obviously means that. The no landing scenario, particularly like the one you mentioned, you know, the reflation of the economy, that appears unlikely. Um, and I would say the risks are still tilted to the downside on the growth aspect. Um, but also, I mean, you know, I was talking to some reporters last week. And for me, this inflation number is also uh, a sign of what could happen in the consumer space. So so far, we know the US consumer has been pretty resilient. They've been uh, able to dig into savings and credit card debt and stuff like that to kind of really sustain their consumption levels. But if prices start to be as sticky as they appeared in this January inflation number, and if we do see a trend of that kind of follow-up from here as well, I think that can really dampen the consumer confidence and kind of start to show an impact more broadly on retail sales or other consumer measures as well. Um, So I think that's that's going to be the last straw for me in this whole recession debate, I would say. Uh, Again, you know, the cycle has been very different. Uh, so we'll have to really see how data kind of moves from here. But uh, uh, I think the other thing of, of worth noting here is that uh, these inflation prints uh, have obviously challenged the Fed pivot narrative um, as well, right? So um, now the market has come quite close to what the Fed has been guiding for in terms of the rate cut expectation. So the Fed funds futures are now uh, pricing in uh, a June rate cut. And a total of about uh, 88 basis points of rate cuts for 2024, way lower than where we started the year or even just a week before we were about 100 plus 110 basis points or so of rate cuts priced in with the first rate cut expected to come in May. So a lot of that pushback has already happened. So for this week, particularly, I mean, we do get FOMC minutes. I think that's going to be worth watching. But more so, my focus will be on how the Fed commentaries really shift. You know, they've been obviously pushing back on those rate cut expectations because the market has been too aggressive. But now if the market is aligned to what the Fed really showed in its December dot plot, will that pushback kind of tone down a little bit? Will we start to see some dovish commentaries coming through as well. In fact, uh, one of the very interesting commentaries that has not been in a lot of headlines uh, from Friday was uh, from the uh, ex-Fed vice chair, uh, Bullard. She actually said that the FOMC should cut rates in March as a preemptive move to kind of support the economy. I mean, that was, I think, a bit of an extreme. Maybe the Fed voters will not be as clear as that, Mm. but we could start see a little bit more balanced commentaries are coming through from the Fed. I think that will be a big focus for the markets.
0: Yeah, and I mean, uh, I I think it's fascinating, especially under the financial crisis for about almost 15 years ago, even more than that. Uh, one of the things that happened was that, that this idea from the central bank that they had to talk the markets into what was going to happen, sort of guide them before they actually did something that must be so incredibly difficult right now because yeah. data is pointing one way and then the other way and it just leaves everybody confused right
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think they are trying it does appear they are trying their best to kind of prepare the markets for what's to come but when the market has already covered that gap you know uh, and if they start to tone down from here then again the cycle of market trying to price in more again that starts right so it's a really tricky situation
0: yeah, and it's it's interesting because something like this should be relatively, at least if not long term, then medium term. But 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 really, I mean, I think a week ago we probably were here discussing the fact that maybe there should be rate cuts, and now we, as you say, it's it's probably not likely yeah. to see rate hikes. But but theoretically, it's not without with, with outside the realm of possibilities. But uh, totally. But 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 how? What what does this mean, for instance, for for the dollar? Uh, because that that has also strengthened uh, last week, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it has uh, for sure. But if you if you consider the amount of hawkish developments, you know CPI, PPI, and obviously now pointing that uh, core PCE number, which is obviously the Fed's preferred inflation measure, that will potentially come in high um, as well. Uh, I would say these dollar gains uh, were about, I think, less than about 0.2% last week, uh, certainly not reflecting that hawkish vibe that was there in the market. Um, I mean, of course, you know, we've debated since the start of the year that U.S. exceptionalism will continue to keep the dollar supported, and that has been the case. It still remains very hard to question that U.S. exceptionalism. But like I said, you know, when you see that gap closing between the market pricing versus what the Fed has really been guiding for, I think it does get difficult for the dollar to kind of push to new highs at this point from here. And uh, just on a very, you know, uh, all rounded basis as well. So from a technical perspective, uh, the dollar has actually um, failed at a very critical Fibonacci level as well. So, you know, 104.80, 105 kind of level, we are not able to go above that. Um, and from a positioning standpoint as well. So the speculator positions and um, changes made to the week of 13th of February, we are seeing dollar longs uh, already coming back for the first time since November again. Uh, So the net dollar positioning has shifted to a long. I think all of that continues to point that uh, while the dollar can still remain supported, I think going to new highs, is is a rather you know tall order at this point so the whole fx debate uh, and you know this is something i wrote in uh, one of my articles last week as well that the focus for the fx market really is on competitive pivots so what that means is you know who will be the first one to cut rates the fed usually is the first one to start cutting rates in a cycle but this time now with the fed expectations having pushed forward with the us growth story remaining strong Uh, and Fed not expected to cut until June, the question is whether some of the other central banks may not really be in a position to wait until June or later to kind of really start the easing cycle. And, you know, that really brings the focus, I think, particularly on the ECB. Um, So I think uh, just the whole question around uh, if they were to wait longer, will that mean that, you know, the risks of hard landing go up? Uh, So I think uh, that's something really the FX markets will be focusing on this week. We get the PMI numbers, uh, and that could be important for this story. Um, And ECB speakers as well, I think they continue to be important. We've started to see a little bit of a split happening within the ECB commentaries as well, with some uh, uh, members kind of still uh, starting to see a scope for an April rate cut. I think that's that's particularly important. And another article I wrote last week was also on the Swiss franc, and that was particularly driven by the Switzerland CPI cooling way more than expected last week. Uh, so that has also prompted some concerns over the strength of that currency and how soon uh, the Swiss National Bank may have to cut. Could it be even before the ECB? I think these are some of the, the top concerns, I would say, of uh, the, the FX market, you know, Really, the big focus will be on you know, which central bank goes first from
0: here. And if we just uh, move that uh, discussion into into equities, what 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 do you do you see for equities in the coming week, also in relation to 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 the central bank uh, stalemate or whatever you want to call it?
1: I mean, equities don't seem to be much bothered about uh, what's happening on the macro front, right? They, uh, uh, As of this point, and particularly this week, I think it will be more of an earnings story rather than macro for the equity space. We certainly have had a better than expected earnings season so far. and uh, But I think the big focus really is still on that how narrow this whole equity rally has been. Uh, which has also made the risks in the equity space a lot more singular. Um, I think the single biggest risk to watch this week in the equity space will be the NVIDIA earnings. Um, You know, Bloomberg is actually reporting that investors have piled into bullish option bets um, at the fastest pace in years uh, for, for, for NVIDIA. So I think there's a huge, huge uh, market risk here. Um, I think that's something really critical to watch. Uh, expectations are that um, NVIDIA would report annual revenues uh, growth of about 100%. And even if that is met, I think, uh, yes, they've had a very strong uh, you know uh, 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 background right now. But can they continue to guide for that kind of growth for next year and the following year as well? I think that's going to be particularly very important. Uh, But also, I think uh, within that uh, magnificent seven space, I would say, um, also worth watching what's happening on Apple, Soren. I don't know if you've uh, seen the reports. Um, uh, I think two two very critical developments happening for the Apple stock. Um, One is on the the EU fines, uh, something of the order of uh, Euro 500 million. All allegations around how Apple kind of plays around with the music streaming apps on its App Store after that complaint from Spotify. Uh, So I think that's really something that's weighing on the Apple stock. Uh, I know the US markets are closed on Monday, but we we need to see how how Apple opens when it's back on Tuesday. Um, And now we also have this uh, headwind coming through from, uh, you know, complaints around Vision Pro, actually, that was launched, um, the headset that was launched earlier in February. Uh, there are some reports that uh, the the rate of return for that device is, is much uh, higher than what Apple has seen for its other devices in the past. Um, you know, there's complaints about the interface. There's how the de- devices, you know, Heavy and bulky, and it's causing headaches if you use it for a long time. There's lack of content, um, and given its very high price point, uh, thirty-five hundred US uh, dollar, I, I think many of the users have been uh, quite unhappy, and they're getting back in the store to kind of return their purchases. Again, I think this is something we need to continue to monitor. But overall, you know, within the Magnificent Seven space, I think there's going to be start to be some divergence now, you know, there'll be some winners and losers. We've already seen Tesla kind of falling uh, out of that space, really uh, in divergence to the performance of the other stocks in that space. But uh, could, could Apple or somebody else also kind of start to, you know, fail to deliver on those earnings expectations. I think that's the big watch for the equity space.
0: So definitely pay attention to, to Apple, uh, what happens there when the markets open again on Tuesday in the U S and, uh... Also, have a look at NVIDIA when they report, if we move to China, Charu, then there's also been some extended closing there because of the new year, the Lunar New Year, Um, but it Mm. opened again um, afterwards, and uh, it seemed like, obviously, China's been very challenged, uh, if not just this year, but also... A bit last year, um, but it actually opened on a positive note. Could you let me in on what what happened there?
1: Uh, Yeah, so ahead of the opening today, you know, this morning, Monday morning in Asia, there was really a lot of optimism because over the weekend we got these uh, travel numbers for the Lunar New Year holiday period. Um, And the numbers looked really good. You know, domestic travel up uh, 19 percent from the pre-COVID, from the 2019 period. If you look at tourism spending, also up seven and a half percent from that 2019 period and actually up around, what, uh, close to 50 percent from last year. So I think those numbers kind of really built in some amount of optimism, as you would guess. Right. A lot of investors are just waiting on the sidelines and trying to find a reason to enter the China markets because, you know, how cheap it is. Uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is, this optimism really faded quickly, and I would say this is exactly what we expected in the Asian morning hours, um, because you know the issue with the China uh, economy right now is really structural. So it it has to be a lot more than these few optimistic data points that really change the narrative, change the perception of the investors around China. Um, I think uh, certainly you know uh, investors continue to watch what. Uh, support we can get from the authorities. So, if you would remember, before going into these Lunar New Year holidays uh, of the last eight nine days or so, uh, the authorities had been supporting uh, the equity markets quite a bit. Um, you know, so um, uh, there was there was a, a serious effort to kind of stem the route in equities. Uh, if we don't see uh, follow-up action on those measures i would say whatever optimism kind of built in could only at best give us a tactical rally there's nothing in there that can you know really help to calm those um, investors who are looking for the uh, for a response to the structural issues of the economy really
0: so what you're saying is that we need we need bigger change and more lasting change in, in china before we really start to to see a see a change there
1: Right. I mean, just this travel demand, I would say, you know, it could be, there could be multiple reasons. There's pent up demand. This is really the first Lunar New Year holiday period, which is, you know, after the pandemic. Last year, the economy had just opened up and they entered the Lunar New Year. So there was obviously some amount of skepticism around travel at that point still. So there's pent up demand. There is obviously, I mean, a low base, if you say, uh, and this 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 year's holiday was also like i said it was 8 days compared to last year where it was 7 days so there's some aspect of it so i think reading too much into this these travel uh, numbers would be i would say you know premature
0: chara i know that you are very busy and you need to go soon but let's just uh, quickly before we say goodbye touch upon japan where we had an interesting Development where uh, Japan actually fell into a recession, but equities keep making uh, new highs. What what did what what happened there?
1: Yeah, I mean Japan, uh, UK. We saw all of them entering a technical recession last week. Uh, for Japan, particularly, I would say, you know, the whole GDP um, data was quite dismal. Only exports kind of staying supported. If you look at private consumption, was has been down for three straight quarters. Capex down for three straight quarters as well. So there was quite a bit of bad news around that. But uh, the markets really kind of took that as a signal that uh, uh, any amount of, uh, you know, tightening from the Bank of Japan, which is really the big focus for the markets this year. um, So the markets are certainly turning to a conclusion that it will not be as you know, as much as the markets initially expected, so it will be a lot more gradual. That's something we've been saying, and it will be a lot more uh, modest as well. So I think that obviously again still supported the equity sentiment, um, and within the Japanese um, corporate space, we've been seeing a strong earnings momentum. But also, I think uh, last few weeks the Japanese equities have been showing this very very um, you know close correlation to the weakness of the Japanese yen. And given just the the volatility that we have in the treasury space, uh, the rate space, uh, the yen has obviously been quite weak uh, recently. And that continues to, again, show uh, some amount of support for Japanese equities. I think, I mean, there's a lot of tailwinds, right? There's been uh, sustained global economic momentum, all this talk around soft landing, and then Japan being one of having a lot of these big exporters, you know, a lot of familiar names like Sony, Toyota, um, you know, all of those exporters kind of get benefited Because of that soft landing, because of the weakness of the yen as well. Um, And we know that, you know, Japanese equities have been helped by a lot of what's happening on the geopolitical front, as well as, you know, the domestic corporate governance reforms as well, which are trying to kind of improve transparency and improve uh, the return for the shareholders as well. I think it's, uh, um, it's fair to say that this momentum in the Japanese equities could be questioned at some point. If the Japanese yen was to rally Uh, but for now you know unless we see a steep recession or something I mean again looks unlikely but if we were to see a steep recession that's something that will really uh, question the the rally in Nikkei otherwise I think there's reasons to believe there's still a lot more momentum in there.
0: And I'm sure that we will uh, pay close attention to that and uh, talk about that again if that is to happen charo thank you so much for joining me today and talk about what uh, happened in the past week and what's going to happen in the coming week we will be back uh, shortly with another episode thank you so much for listening and on behalf of everybody here at saxo happy trading